Facilitating a team meeting can be a tricky challenge for any leader. Whether it's a training sort of meeting, a quarterly budget report, or something else entirely, there seems to be more things stacked against you than ever before. Not only are you navigating the myriad of distractions that team member can face, but you also could be facing multiple formats like Zoom, Google Meet, or in-person meetings too. And you always have to balance communicating your content with the inherent needs of team members to feel relationally and emotionally connected. Hello, everyone. It's Nathan Freeberg, and welcome back to the Leadership Vision Podcast, our show helping you build positive team culture. Our consulting firm has spent 25 years investing in teams so that people are mentally engaged and emotionally healthy. In this episode, Brian and Linda Schubring share some of their insights and strategies for successful team facilitation. They shed light on leaders' common struggles, who often find themselves in situations where participants have low expectations due to previous experience of like super boring, unproductive, and passive training sessions. To overcome these challenges, Brian and Linda suggest creating an engaging and interactive environment that captures the attention and participation of all team members while not being bound to any sort of a script. They're going to share a few valuable tips and maybe even some tricks for engaging your teams and helping you learn how to navigate conversations with dexterity, foster meaningful connections, and facilitate productive discussions. These are lessons that they've learned facilitating hundreds of teams, both virtually and in person. So if you're in a rut or feel like you need to do something different, this episode will help you harness some of our methods and philosophy to maximize engagement and achieve your goals. Enjoy. From my experience, I believe that people have such a low bar for training, whether it's in person or virtual, that they've experienced so many times when when some trainer or consultant or somebody has come in and literally stood behind a podium and spoke to a slide deck. And that type of sit and take it, that sit and listen, just like someone's reading to you, I think that's just so common that when people are actually engaged as human beings, given a chance to talk with their peers, reflect for themselves, that is surprising to them on a level that I believe really opens their mind and their heart to experience something in a way that they were not anticipating. And I also believe that Linda and I have had such an immersive experience in how it is that we have learned to adapt how we facilitate a group that we're also paying attention to all these little nuances of when people are surprised, what's their body language saying to us that as we're watching that, we've really learned how to pay attention to and serve the moment so that we can continue to smash that stereotype that this is not what you expected and we're actually going to make it even better than you could have ever imagined. So here's, here's my first question here. How did you successfully adapt your facilitation approach to engage a team of notably distracted individuals, <laughs> as we've talked about? And this was in an, uh, an online, this is a yep. virtual engagement, yep. but I think that question would be interesting to yep. you know answer also for... Yep in person, because that can also be very distracting. And I'm wondering if in answering that, you can share maybe some specific strategies or techniques that, you know, maybe it's juggling, but just something that's like, how do you, how do you capture people's attention? Um, because I think that attention issues for facilitators is, is huge. And I think why this is helpful is because I think that leaders could benefit from some of your 
tips and tricks as they are just trying to engage with their teams in like a normal, like staff meeting. You know what I mean? Yes. So I don't know which one to start with. <laughs> which question exactly so just, to, to start yeah, with? Exactly. But, but I want to. I want to say, Brian and I operate very intuitively. We show up. We are present, and all of a sudden, people will respond to us like, "It's already noon. We're already here. Yeah. We're already doing that." And I think we had to press pause for ourselves and look back and figure out what exactly we were doing mm. and maybe why we were doing it. And the why came clear about a month ago. So it was important for me to have a framing. It's important to understand as we're kind of looking back on how are we creating such an engaging, you know, space or place. But I was wondering more of the why especially because this group was really distracted. And it goes back to some work that we did with a group of educators. And Brian came back after one of the sessions and he said, you'll never believe this. Why don't you speak to that, Brian? Yep. So I had a one-to-one conversation with an educator and I was asking him, what are the challenges that that, that you're facing? Now, the challenges were anchored into a a whole host of things I don't want to name right now. But what this man was saying is that it is almost indescribable the challenge that a teacher has in trying to capture the attention of a student so they can actually learn something. Mm -hmm. He said, now imagine that every student has in their hand a, a dopamine button where every 15 seconds they can get this hit of something that is stimulating to them, that's causing them to be distracted, it's causing them to focus their interests somewhere else, and they have an expectation that within 30 seconds all their answers can be solved or all their, their questions can be answered. Now think about now being a teacher and trying to hold someone's attention for 40 or 50 minutes not to mention, and this is what got my attention, is him saying, then trying to teach something that may last three classes or over three weeks. Yeah. Because it's virtually an impossible task for us to keep someone attentive for that period of time to actually lose something, not just in the process, but he's like neurologically, they're conditioned to get a different type of stimulus in a way short period of time. So that level mm-hmm. of challenge is something I think is, is exponentially important to consider as a facilitator. And that story really stayed with me. That story shaped then how we were going to approach some of the most distracted individuals, a part of a team, a well-functioning team, but they were very distracted Uh and they were self-described as distracted. And I thought, how can we not just be a, a dopamine drip, but keep things moving, keep things changing fresh, have them talking. And we found that if we were crisp and clear with our message and we gave them a reason and maybe a brief story and then put them into conversation partners or groups Mm. and allowed them to really care about what the other person was saying, not as just a transfer of information, but as a building of relationship that we mm-hmm. were onto something. And I think what that story from the teacher really shaped in me was my thinking of keep it moving. You're not the most important voice. You will demonstrate your expertise when you weave pieces together, not necessarily all the brilliant things that you'll say or try wordsmith to impress a bunch of distracted folks. And there was such great engagement because we kept it moving. I think the greatest challenge for a facilitator is not in their dexterity to deliver their content, but in their dexterity to respond to the conversations. 
Ooh, Ooh, say that again. I believe the greatest challenge for any facilitator is not in their demonstration on how on how they have a dexterity in delivering their content, but in their dexterity and how they navigate conversation. If you want any group to be engaged, create an environment where they're invited to talk about themselves without boundaries. Because I think that if you want someone to talk, ask them to talk about their greatest subject matter expertise, and that's themselves. And our dexterity has greatly shifted in our our need to feel that our content had to be delivered no matter what versus conversation needs to happen no matter what. Right. And no matter what it takes to create a, a conversational atmosphere, that's the greatest demonstration of our care that we can ever show to people is our ability to listen, to navigate around what we're hearing, and to still deliver the content that we were actually hired to be there to deliver. That, to me, is the greatest sign of a facilitator's expertise. But not mm. too long. Right. So in, right. in a lot of ways, it was leaving them wanting more. Hey, we wish we had more time in the breakout room. Hey, mm -hmm. I wish we would have had this, this chance to, to tell, you know, another story, but we're wetting their appetite and almost teaching them this conversational nature that could happen really quickly at the start of a meeting, at the end of the meeting, uh, while they're really seeking to get to know one another as teammates. Yeah. Sounds like the success of, of, any sort of facilitation, be that in person or, or online, really revolves around that relational engagement and intentional connection. Yeah. So rather than getting up and lecturing for even 20 minutes, how can you present that material in a back and forth, right? Yes. Um, mm -hmm. It's interesting. I'm thinking about, as you know, I love watching stand-up comedy. And it seems like in the last few years, there have been a number of comics who a big part of their act is interacting with the audience. <laughs> and I don't know if that's, you know, that's always people, comedians have always done that, but I don't know if that's something that they've learned is that, you know, if they're, and it is a lot of making fun of people, <laughs> but as they have like, <laughs> you know, they're interacting. If you're an audience member, unless you're way in the back or something, like you're like, Oh man, this guy might start picking on me or woman. <laughs> so I need to like really pay attention to everything he's saying or she's saying, I don't know. I'm just maybe throwing that out there as like an effective communication technique as rather than saying, all right, all right, team as you know, open up your reports uh, to page three and let's start reading and going through blah, blah, blah. <laughs> How do you make that more engaging, more, what did we say? More relationally engaged and intentionally connected. One of the things that we do, Nathan, is we explain to the team straight away that this is going to be highly conversational and it's, and our learning is going to come through dialogue. And we actually right. say, we will call on people. We'll ask you a question and we'll, you know, hopefully um, expect for you to, to hear back from you. So people have the anticipation that they're going to get called on at any time. Huh. And we do that. We make an intentional practice on calling on everyone. Uh, then people have that additional engagement in the anticipatory anxiety of not knowing when it is you're going to get called on. <laughs> you're having yeah. to pay attention more to what's actually being said. Because at any moment, Linda or mm -hmm. I could say, hey, Nathan, what do you think about what Steve just said? And right. so you're on the spot there. And so there, even when it's virtual... We are not creating an opportunity for passive observation to be part of the training. Huh. We have an expectation. It is interactive. It's conversational and it's respectful because everyone's opinion matters. Everyone's opinion is heard 
and the dexterity that Linda and I have to weave the conversation, right. the opinion, and the observation into what it is that we're teaching, I think that's the the brilliance that the opportunity provides. Because whatever someone said, whatever observation was made, whatever joke was told, we're somehow trying to weave that into what we're saying, and we're not allowing the content to dictate who can say something, when they can say it, and if it's right, right or wrong. And, the, and the, the, the one of the greatest compliments that we've received is, I can't do email when I'm online with you in one of your trainings. <laughs> and I thought that, you know, well, and that could be even in person too. But it's a compliment because they uh, want to stay engaged and they want to participate well. They want to, you know, they want to win in in that, you know, in the game of engagement too. And so, right, right. um, we, we keep them on their toes. We wait for the element of surprise. We, you know, Brian and I are bantering back and forth and yeah. then, you know, rolling with the technology. So, you know, we're not the stand up comedians that are making fun of you, but we'll maybe make fun of technology <laughs> or we'll make fun of the big dog that runs through the back of your zoom screen. So, right. Right. Yeah. We'll be right back. At Leadership Vision Consulting, we have spent 23 years helping individuals explore the depth and dimension of their personal strengths and have helped hundreds of teams build positive culture. We're excited to now announce our new online membership platform that brings together the resources, community, and motivation that you need to grow your influence and build a positive team culture. Through our courses, workshops, live Q&A sessions, and more, you'll gain the skills and confidence you need to lead effectively. And with our supportive community of like-valued leaders, you'll never feel like you're doing it alone. Visit leadershipvisionconsulting.com slash community to learn more. How do you, as, as a facilitator, and also this applies, you know, to leaders that have to like, we got to get through the budget report, guys. Yep. How do you, because it sounds like what you're doing is you're prioritizing the people over the content. Yes. But you still have to get, presumably, to the end of the content. So I'm wondering if you could share a tip or two, maybe beyond what we've already talked about here, of how do you continue to make it relational? How do you continue to weave people in and out of what you're trying to present while also still having this, we got to get, we got to get yeah. to the end of this thing because this is yep. all important material. Yep. Um, or maybe you don't ever have that. Problem. Well, no, we do. I mean, cause it's, it, it's a weaving. So right. it's not saying people are the most important. So forget about our material. It's not helpful. We know that it, it works. We know that it's helpful. We've worked with over 400 teams. We know that some of these components are helpful, but we don't know which ones will be most helpful to certain people. So it's drawing upon that. And I think the word that you use that I like is weave. So we're continuing to weave. And as leaders or as a, if you're in charge of something, you have to think about what are the five things that you want someone to learn or the team to mm -hmm. learn, or what mm -hmm. are the three things? And Brian and I, we have our marks. We want them to know a little bit more about, we list those things out. And we know that if we don't get to it in the first part, that we'll eventually be able to weave it in more of a throwaway comment or mm. bring it up in, in, as a teaser in some concluding remarks, but we will get there somehow. It just doesn't mm -hmm. have to be linear. Now, some of the linear people that are maybe going through a budget, they may be wondering like, <laughs> which order are we going in now? Right. And that's why the moving quickly, we want to disrupt some of their organizational right. patterns. And part of the intentional design of what we're doing in a team engagement series is we're applying the topic that we're speaking on to people, teams, and culture. 
Like Linda's saying, we have a very specific scripted strategy for each of those sections. There are five or six elements that we know we want to touch on in the in the people section, and there's a prioritization of how it is that we deliver that information, give or take what's going on. In the team section, like Linda was saying, there are three or four elements that we know we want to hit, and those are also prioritized. And when it comes to the culture, there are two or three elements that we know we want to hit, and those are also prioritized. So because we know the material that well, we know what it is that's impactful in what maybe could be the fifth priority. We're really able to custom deliver to whatever it is that we're hearing or sensing with the group without losing the meaning of why we're talking about the importance of collaboration on a team. This sounds to me a lot like how how I think they filmed shows like The Office and Curb Your Enthusiasm and maybe Parks and Rec. And I know you're laughing, but I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to weave and and I'm trying, I'm trying to do here what we're talking about. What I understand is how shows and shows like that, they have, they don't have a script they follow. It's like, you know, in the case of The Office, you know, Michael and Dwight are, you know, by the end of this scene, they have to throw the copier out the window. (laughs) <laughs> and Pam is like da 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 da, and they just kind of say go, and so it's less of this strict like as most movies and shows of like line by line by line. It's more of like you know understanding your character, understanding how it interacts with the other characters, and just kind of get to this end goal. Yes. Does that? And maybe we don't need any more examples, but is that kind of what we're doing? As what you're doing as facilitation, like the leadership vision way is. We have an end goal. We know where we're going, but based on who's in this room and what comes up as a result, we'll drastically change the scene. We're going to mix mm-hmm. our metaphors here mm-hmm. of what it looks like. Is that correct? I don't know. I don't know. What do you What do you hear I've me saying? Now, now we're cop- really vamping. I've never thrown a copier out the window. <laughs> oh, I've wanted um, to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there is some truth to what you're saying. And I also want to just add this. There's also the intentional design of our delivery where Linda and I are checking in with each other throughout the entire process to navigate as we go. So we're not truly, you know, just winging it to get to like that, that end result. Every time there's a breakout session, every time there's a conversation or a turn and talk, whether we're in person or virtually, we're checking in with each other to ask, what are you seeing? What are you sensing? What are you noticing? Where are we going? What's next? And we're always adapting. Always. There's never any two team engagement sessions that are the same. Never. No. And it's exhausting. So maybe we, we make it look like it's really energetic. So I'll be filled with energy at the end, but also (laughs) I'll realize that I'm depleted. Like I need a snack or I need to go for a walk or need to get outside. Um, because there is, there is a calorie burn um, because yeah. it isn't just, you know, reading from the slide. Next, next, here we go. Right, right. It is highly interactive and responsive. And anyone that practices some of the adaptive leadership <laughs> frameworks, like it, yeah, you, you will be, you'll be tired. Yeah. It really sounds like we're talking about adaptive capacity here. And I wonder maybe in like in closing, cause I, Linda, you did a little bit of work around that, right? Yes. <laughs> A lot of work. Also known as a doctoral <laughs> dissertation. Again, for anyone listening to this, yes, you've heard a little bit about kind of our style and what we do and how that's helpful, but how do you integrate this into your next, I keep bringing up my fake budget sheet here, your, uh, your next budget meeting or your next team meeting or your next one-on-one conversation, you know, check-ins, whatever it is. Is there any kind of golden nugget takeaway that you can leave us with? 
I'll speak from my observations. Number one, do the work ahead of time. I believe that the only way that this actually works in your budget meeting, Nathan, is do the work ahead of time. Like know your data, know your information, know your content, do all that homework. Because I believe that it's in the knowledge and previous practice that you're able to actually adapt in the moment. Because then you can trust that whatever it is that sure. you need in the moment is going to emerge because you have a subject matter knowledge base or expertise in what you're talking about that you can then pay attention to other people then rely on your skills as a facilitator to actually navigate but if you don't have that don't be afraid to practice maybe you want to script out the first five or six minutes and then give yourself three minutes to really adapt and interact with with the the group but I, my invitation is don't be afraid to practice testing your adaptive capacities to care for people in a way that may feel uncomfortable at first. Hmm. And for me, it's starting with the end in mind. Think about how engaged you want this group. You Do you want them to be surprised? Do you want the time to fly by that they feel oh, like yeah. the last investment of time that they had at this meeting was worthwhile? So start with that and begin to work backward from there. Because there are some meetings, there are a lot of meetings that are best delivered in an email or even that budget meeting. <laughs> Those are my favorite emails, exactly. by the way. Do my you, favorite meetings. Uh, could have been an email. And so how do you save and cherish the in-person meetings to a level where there can be true dialogue, conversation, back and forth about different topics that build into the relational fabric of the team, as well as strengthen the ways that the mm. team can come together and be more catalytic, more creative, to be pushed outside of some of their comfort zones, that it's that level of surprise that yeah. will lead to lead to a greater engagement. So I'm not saying that in a book report kind of information share that this is going to be, you know, this is how you make that meeting really engaging. But right. when you really want to gather a group around a specific topic and have that directed kind of dialogue and back and forth, start with the end in mind. How do you want your people to feel at the end of it? So something that you always ask at the end of every engagement yeah. is what stands out, right? Yeah. So Brian, Linda, uh, the last 22 minutes here of our podcast, what stands out to you? Boil, boil all this down into a couple of soundbite nuggets. Brian, I'm going to have you go first since Linda was just talking. What stands out to me is truly the trust level that Linda and I have to deliver whatever is needed in the moment. Um, as we've been talking about it, I've been thinking to myself, yeah, we actually do that. Like we've actually learned to surrender the content to build the conversation and that stands out to me that this is something that we we just do we do it all the time linda what stands out for you and what stands out to me is to force an intuitive to describe their process <laughs> is not is not always easy but it's important and for me i see the reward but i also see the cost that comes as well as how it's worth the investment to prepare really well ahead of time so that you can bend and flex and really serve the clients that, or the groups that you are working with.
Brian and Linda, thank you so much. And thank you for listening to the Leadership Vision Podcast, sharing our expertise in the discovery, practice, and implementation of a strengths-based approach to people, teams, and culture. For more resources about developing your strengths, the strengths of your team, or the strengths of your entire organization, click the link in the show notes or visit us on the web at leadershipvisionconsulting.com. And if you found value from this podcast or any of our other resources, we would appreciate it if you would leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or maybe more importantly, share our information here and our resources with someone on a team that might really benefit and need just a little bit extra help. I'm Nathan Freebring. I'm Linda Shubring. And I'm Brian Shubring. And on behalf of our entire team, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening.